Hello and welcome to SimCast, the higher education simulation podcast. My name is Tony Jeremy. I'm the academic lead for simulation-based education at UEA Norwich. Hi, everybody. Welcome to SimCast. My name's Lawrence Hill, and I'm the chair of the simulation group in the School of Health Sciences at UEA Norwich. So, Lawrence, what are we going to be talking about in this episode? Right. Today, we are going to be talking about the role of using artificial intelligence um, in the development of simulation scenarios. If you like this video, please give us a like. Equally so, if you don't like the video, give us a dislike, but let us know in the comments why, because we're always keen to improve. To keep up to date with all things sim-related, hit the subscribe button and don't forget to check that notification bell. So, Lawrence, AI. Um, I think it's fair to say in higher education, it's getting a bit of a bad rap. For sure. There's a lot of chatter, isn't there, about AI in higher education. There's a lot of concern. There's a lot of worry about what it means for the integrity of assessment processes in, in, in the main. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can essentially log into a website and get a, uh, a computer generated piece of software to write an essay for you. In about 10 seconds. Yeah. It's frighteningly easy. It's frighteningly powerful. But what we wanted to do in this episode, in the last, in a previous episode, we talked about the four horsemen of the debrief apocalypse. Yep. And that was quite an apocalyptic feel. And, that, <laughs> and it sort of feels like the role of AI in higher education has a sort of apocalyptic feel yeah. about it as yeah. well. You, you talk you talk to academics and it is almost like the end of days, isn't yeah. it? And, and yeah, they to the extent where we're having to change assessment processes because of the fears of what's going to happen with the integration of AI, how is it going to make the assessment process fair, that so on and so forth. But because it's such a powerful tool, why don't we harness that power into into something positive instead, particularly when we're looking at simulation? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's how a lot of people are thinking about tackling uh, AI in, in conventional higher education assessments is, right, we'll, we need to accept the fact that people probably just are going to use it to some extent. So, you know, we should think about doing the same thing because we can actually use it and it's really powerful and we can use it for the learner's benefit. Yeah. So we've, we've both used AI, haven't we? We've both created a, a ChatGPT account. Did um, Have you used it before? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I, I just set up an account because I thought it would be interesting and I asked it a couple of silly questions. And yeah. then we were talking about this this podcast today and we just sort of said, like, have you done this before? No. Have you not done this before? No. Let's give it a go. And I think it's fair to say my jaw <laughs> hits the floor. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's alarming how quickly that information is, uh, is brought together. Yeah. So what we did was we both set ChatGPT a very simple, what well, seemingly simple sentence, design us a simulation. And we got quite an, an impressive response and certainly something that we're going to base the rest of this this episode around. Yeah. So um, what was yours about? So I'm, a, I'm an operating department practitioner as a background, so as a clinical background. So I obviously thought, well, how could I use this to create a scenario for my ODP students? I thought I'll keep it relatively simple and just see what it comes out with initially. So the question that I wrote to ChatGPT was, write a healthcare simulation scenario on anesthesia airway complications for ODPs. Okay, and, and what did it come up with? Well, <clears throat> it, it comes up with a title. So it says anesthesia airway complications simulation for ODPs, and that's obviously fairly self-explanatory. Mm -hmm. It then gives me a session overview. 
and it tells me that it, that the ODPs are going to encounter a problem in this in the simulation based on an airway complication during the administration of anesthesia. It then gives me a setting. Hmm to work with it then gives me some details so some bits about the the patient and of course it's very generic john smith 55 years old has okay. some some basic uh, comorbidities to, to go on importantly including moderate sleep apnea and, and, and bmi high bmi mm-hmm. so you can kind of see where the scenario is potentially mm-hmm. going to go there and then it gives me a, a generic scheduled procedure which in this one is a, a laparoscopic cholecystectomy and then what it does is it gives me a simulation sequence. So it gives me, how many is there? Nine points of how ChatGPT thinks the scenario or the whole simulation event actually should kind of unfold. In terms of the kind of action phase of the simulation. Yeah. So the, the first point is a, a pre-briefing phase. And, oh, okay. and, and the last point is a, a debriefing phase. So it's it's bookends the, okay. the scenario itself with the briefing and the, and the debriefing. Of course, we would... Strongly that. advocate yep. that. Yep. We we stand with chat GPT on this. <laughs> Absolutely. But the, the other points are basically yeah, how the scenario should unfold. It has things like uh, it talks about a onset of an op- of a complication. So mm-hmm. this would be your classic kind of trigger point. You know, you're at a crossroads now. The scenario is going to go one way or the other, depending on how the the individuals perform. But what Chat, Chat GPT hasn't really done is looked at that variation. Yeah, sure. It's kind of this is what should happen in a sort of best case scenario. Yeah. Okay. So from from what you describe, it's it's quite it's quite linear. It doesn't have that. It doesn't have. It can't. It's an artificial intelligence. It doesn't have that nuance built in. The kind of variability of the of the scenario. No, no, it doesn't. I mean, again, it's based the scenario around an airway complication. So with the onset of the complication, it says approximately five minutes into the induction and the patient's oxygen saturation drops to 85%. And then later on, it says it drops further to 80%. And, and at that point, a decision is made whether to intubate the patient or not. It talks about the fact that in the kind of the setup, it's got standard monitoring equipment and it talks mm. about ECG, pulse oximetry, non-invasive blood pressure. Did it talk about capnography? Don't know if it did. Don't remember you saying no. that. No. <clears throat> but what it doesn't do is it, it doesn't give you those clinical variations alongside the desaturations. Mm-hmm. So again, as a facilitator, you could use this as a starter for 10, but you're going to have to use your clinical experience and knowledge to sort of put, put Context and, yeah. and context yeah, into yeah, the yeah. scenario. No, definitely. So, could you see yourself using that as a template for a writing a simulation that you'd actually use with learners? Absolutely. It's a, it's a great start for ten. Mm. And I, I don't know about you, but I have spent what feels like hours sitting again at a blank screen, thinking I need to write four scenarios for this session coming up, um, and my brain just goes blank. Yeah. So. Like it's always easier, isn't it, to to edit something than it is to start yeah, fresh? Yeah, yeah. It, it's great to give you ideas. And, and bearing in mind, my initial question was, write a healthcare simulation scenario on anesthesia airway complication. It's it's really sort of helped pad that out. And of, of course, you, you just change a few of those keywords in that mm. initial thing it'll, and it'll help you down a different route. Yeah. Or add add a little bit of extra context on it, mm. and I guess that's where Chat GPT works really, really well. Is you can say, okay, well, w- what about if the patient had anaphylaxis? How would that change things up? And I didn't go that far. I just went to the the initial scenario, 
but it certainly gives you enough to get started. And I suppose that's where, you know, the skills of the facilitator, the clinical uh, knowledge and experience of the of the person facilitating the simulation brings that essentially template sterile kind of scenario to life with with that kind of detail and that yeah. richness. Yeah, and that's the difference, isn't it? You know, it's 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 kind of the same with if if you know people were using it to be naughty and yeah. to write assignments and essays. What it needs, all of this this AI stuff, is it needs the experience of the the person behind it to to go through and go well you know is that realistic is that not so mm. if you are thinking about using chat gpt to do something naughty <laughs> we would advise to, not advise not to because uh yeah it's um it's great to get to get you on going along yeah. to sort of help signpost you but it is not you know if i just use this and ran it as a simulation scenario it would have lots of holes and flaws in it yeah yeah it would it would be thin yeah um, and it and you be... probably get learners testing it and, and going, well, what about this? Yeah. What is the heart rate? Well, I haven't prepared that because ChatGPT didn't tell me to. Yeah, 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 <laughs> of course. So, yeah, a good template, a good starter. Um, and the limitations are in the detail and the nuance. Yeah. And again, I, I literally did the first question and, and, and just had a look at... So, I guess with further discussion with the AI, I might be able to pad out the detail. Could you give me some baseline observations? I don't know. So maybe that, but again, as an experienced clinician, you should probably be able to do that bit yourself. Mm. For me, it's that kind of, right, okay, I've, my, my mind's gone blank and it helping you with that. Yeah. Once I'm getting going, I'm sure it'll be fine to just add that, that detail on. Mm. Interesting. And how about using what you've got there as a simulation facilitator? Could you could you take what is written there or would you have to reformat and repurpose it? Yeah, I think I think it's uh, I would personally would like to format it in a way that I'm comfortable with. Uh -huh. um, I'm working on developing templates to be used by simulation facilitators so that there is a familiarity with it. And, and very much like our debriefing model, which is grab and go, yeah. I want to have that same approach. Obviously, ChatGPT doesn't have that. Yeah. So being able to translate that into a format which is understandable for the facilitator, which you can pick up and you can use and you're familiar with, definitely needs some work with it as well. So the same thing with, it, it talks about the pre brief phase and, and the debrief phase. It doesn't tell you how to do that mm. or how to structure it. So no. there's definitely, it gets you gets you going, but it, it certainly needs the experience of the, the simulation facilitator to, to make it come to life. Yeah, to give it that dynamism. I can't see what ChatGPT has given you, but if it's anything like what ChatGPT gave me, it's reams of text. Yeah. And when I'm running a simulation, the last thing I want to be is, you know, reading War yeah. and Peace while I'm trying to listen to what's happening. So it again, it's about saying, well, yeah, maybe this there's some good background, but actually what you want in terms of the detail of that patient deterioration is just numbers yeah. on the screen. Yeah, or yeah. in an ideal world have it pre programmed. Yeah. So mine yeah, mine is mine has given me numbers and almost Has it? Not numbered points mm -hmm. rather than actual clinical vital signs and stuff it right. literally it, again it just talks about the, the desaturation so it is just digestible mm. but probably not when i'm running a simulation no sure 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 like it would need some adaptation yeah. yeah and you would need to give it that dynamism 
that a human in human facilitator can introduce <laughs> not all human facilitators so can introduce we, but we were a little bit twitchy weren't we when we we did this we were thinking are our jobs on yeah. the line and and i think reassuringly perhaps maybe not we'll, we'll maybe come we'll back come to that come back to that because that is a question i asked chat GPT. <laughs> i'm sure that i'm not can't be the only person can that's you asked. put my p45 in the post yeah I, I wonder how many if you've actually if you've asked chat gpt an existential question about <laughs> whether or not chat gpt will inevitably replace you then please chuck us a comment or a like uh, just to let us know we're not alone um but yeah, um, so I, I did the same thing. So I, I, put, I plugged in a question as well into so, chat. Yeah, GPT. what was yours about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you. So um, I uh, asked chat, chat GPT to um, design a simulation that explores an ethical dilemma for paramedics. So really broad. And as I sort of said earlier, I was stunned at... Uh, with, it, it was literally within 10 seconds. I had a simulation overview, which kind of set the context of mm. a um, paramedics responding to a multiple patient kind of road traffic collision. So uh, you didn't write that? They, the, the, the AI came up with yeah, that? Yeah, so I think that's one of the things to say is that it's made quite a stereotypical assumption about what an ethical dilemma is in paramedic practice right. for one. Okay. So, um, and actually that's probably quite a stereotypical clinical deterioration for an ODP as well, right? Yeah. A desaturation yes. in a patient who's just been anesthetized. Yeah. yeah, I've got a major road accident with multiple severely injured casualties. Yeah. That doesn't really reflect the reality of ethical dilemmas in paramedic practice, in my experience, maybe once in a blue moon. But it's a, you know, it's a start. Uh, and then it talks about uh, a simulation, a scenario description, a fictional urban environment um, that presents participants with a series of choices they must make, each of which presents ethical dilemmas. And they gave us a, a series of dilemmas, actually. So it said you've got patient triage, you've got to decide which ca casualties need to be treated first. Okay. Um, that you'd need to grapple with the dilemma of whether to treat the most severely injured, potentially saving them, or prioritise those who are more well. It talks about scarce resources, personal relationships, i.e. knowing somebody that's involved in, in the accident. And again, kind of fanciful, but probably a useful ethical kind of discussion point. Um, it talks about with the decision to withhold treatment and a transportation dilemma. That's interesting. So it's, it's, it's looking at almost those areas where you might have those ethical dilemmas on top of what would be the obvious one, which is patient-focused. And, and giving you some ideas for that, which yeah. again, it, it, if you're struggling to think about the different types of ethical dilemmas that you might be encountering, it's a great starting point, isn't mm. it? It definitely is. And it, it's definitely highlighted some like big and bold areas that could definitely be discussed. I think, you know, how, how useful would this be for, you know, paramedic students talking about everyday ethics that they encounter in practice? Maybe not like amazingly useful, but in terms of uh, a simulation that's due to set up a, a, perhaps a wider piece of work and a wider discussion about the principles of medical ethics or how you can, you make some decisions in practice under pressure and under, with scarce resources in a more abstract way, which is really what a debrief is all about, mm. then I think it's, it has some real, real value. What I was particularly impressed with, I have to say, was the fact that it wrote actually quite good learning outcomes. <laughs> Yeah, mine did as well. So yeah. mine had the bullet points, and then <clears throat> at the end it had learning up, uh, learning objectives. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I mean, evaluate the implications of different ethical frameworks contrasting utilitarianism with deontology on decision making. This is a really high level um, learning outcome relating to ethical decision making in practice. And even above, it talks about, you know, comparing uh, like like in the kind of description, it talks about comparing consequentialism with deontology and virtue ethics frameworks as a way of navigating complexity. I'm like... I'm writing a paper about this at the moment and chat GPT is kind of on point. Um, so I was quite impressed with that. Um, but one of the things that it, it, it did say was that it was, and I quite liked it, had a note and it said the simulation is designed for educational purposes and should be facilitated by experienced instructors or facilitators who are knowledgeable about emergency medical services and ethical considerations. So I asked it. You, oh, you couldn't help yourself, couldn't you? I literally just put in... Write me a scenario. Yeah. You're like, mm, interesting. I'm, I'm going to poke it with a stick. I did. I said, I said, no, thank you. Sort of slightly passive aggressive. Um, what about the skills of the facilitators? Do they need educational theory? Because that's something that we've talked about a yeah. lot in previous podcasts. We've talked about kind of creating psychological safety. We've talked about adult learners. We've yeah. talked about, you know, experiential learning. Um, and yeah, it, uh, it, it, it came up trumps again. What does it say? It talked about um, adult learning principles. It talked about the need for effective communication between facilitators, advanced communication skills. It talked about questioning techniques, asking open questions as opposed to closed questions. It talked about understanding those ethical frameworks that you're going to be exploring in the simulation. So like it was kind of saying, you know, you're going to be teaching this stuff, you kind of need to know about it, which I thought was quite good talked about the need for expertise and knowledge, and it talked about skills in debriefing, in cultural competence, cultural sensitivity, and adaptability and flexibility. And it gave you some ideas for debriefing as well, some debriefing tools and, and, and techniques, yeah, didn't it? It did. It, it, it did. It, it came up with um, uh, Rudolph. It came up with, deb- Jenny Rudolph, it came up with debriefing f- uh, with good judgment, and it also talked about diamond debrief, both of which are recognised debriefing tools yeah. that, that many people listening will be aware of. Yeah, maybe one day I'll come up with the, the UEA debriefing model as well. We need to publish it first, probably, <laughs> but yeah, you never know. Um, so yeah, I, I was quite impressed with that. And, and that is when it triggered my existential crisis. And I was like, <laughs> uh, you know, like, because we, we deliver a course training people on on lots of these principles. Yeah, and we talk and that, that's going to be a, a future episode is we've been running a simulation instructor course of which you know, many of those educational theories that uh, and, and principles that are implemented into the course. Yeah. And we're going to be, talk, be do, doing an evaluation we are. of that. We're going to do an evaluation of that and, and bring it to this uh, Simcast. Um, and yeah, because we're actually, we, you know, we'd love to, to share some of what we've been doing and also hear about what other um, simulation centres, mm. you know, in higher education or outside of higher education are doing. Um, to develop their, their faculty. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah, so um, that was that was have fascinating. You, have you? Uh, are you still in your existential crisis? Oh, oh I'm forever. I, I lurch from existential <laughs> crisis to existential crisis, but I enjoy it. It's, it's part of it's part of my it's part of why I get out of bed in the morning. So, what are the, for you in your scenario? What were the benefits, and and what do you think some of the limitations are? I think starting with the the benefits, I think it it outlined some really good principles that would be useful to discuss in a simulation debrief around 
ethical decision-making in practice. It picked out three very important, historically and professionally important ethical frameworks for navigating complexity. That I was really impressed with. I was really impressed with the fact that it gave me effective level approach, actually quite advanced, I would say, learning outcomes. Those, I would, I would not expect those to be like level four, first year mm. student learning outcomes. So I was impressed with that. Um, it didn't give me really any detail mm. about how the, the scenario should evolve or any real nuance in terms of, you know, what, what might be happening. But I have a feeling that if I asked it, it would. Okay. We, you know, like it's, so if you the could, limitation is your questioning rather than the, the AI itself. And how about that for like a little kind of metaphor for, for simulation debriefing as well? The limitation is the questions that we ask, not the learners themselves. But yeah, so the, in terms of its, its, its deficits, I think as I sort of said earlier, it, it was quite stereotypical. Mm. It took quite a stereotypical view of what an ethical dilemma is in practice. And if you think about it, all it's doing is trawling the internet to find the information to put in a digestible format that you can then inter interact with. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's going back to those stereotypes, which are, are going to be those those top hits that it's looking for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and like anything, if you, if you, you know, if you're searching for things, you, you need to dig a bit deeper. It is... That the key is in that search criteria, or in this instance, the questions that you're asking the AI. Mm, yeah, quite right. But it was it was uh, uh, what I really also enjoyed was um, when I did ask it that existential question <laughs> of literally, you know, um, can Chat GPT replace me as a simulation educator? I thought I'll just be I'll just I'll just open my heart out to, <laughs> to Chat GPT and just uh, you know share a bit of mutual vulnerability, and it repaid me with vulnerability. Um, so it talked about lots of the things that we've mentioned throughout that have been some of the limitations of these. It talks about, um, the kind of the, the limitations of, of, of an artificial intelligence for designing simulation or facilitating simulation around adaptability and contextual understanding. And that was crucial, wasn't it? To bringing your scenario alive. Yeah, it absolutely was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it talks about emotion, empathy and emotional intelligence, like clearly chat GPT is not going to be able to do that. Um, and dynamic interaction. And it's that so often that makes sim simulation powerful. Yeah. That, and that's the difference, isn't it? Is the simulation, it's all about, and, and simulation-based education is all around people and experiences. Mm. And that's where the limitations of AI are. Yeah. And it's, it's that, you know, in simulation where something's happening and the learner has this kind of moment of, I'm really not sure what to do. And a, and a, and a, a, a good simulation facilitator picks up on that. Yeah. And they just go like, okay, well, what do you think? And can go off piece if need to. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and gives those, those nonverbal communication, those cues and those kind of tacit kind of nudges and steers and encouragement and discouragement from, you know, I'm not sure that that's, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to yeah. kind of curate this path through the simulation. I'm just, I'm just wondering where ChatGPT, which of the four horsemen of the debrief apocalypse, ChatGPT would fill. <laughs> I've got a feeling maybe the critic. Oh yeah, maybe. I, I think probably, <laughs> probably not the groupie. No. Um, but yeah, perhaps, perhaps the tutor. When it turns into the hero, I think we really need to worry. Then we do need to worry. Yeah, that was, that was one of the. 
the things here that, that, that almost made my blood run cold. Uh, and it's this line here. There are several important... We need the robot voice. There are several Hang important... On, to pop it off. Yeah, yeah. There are several important reasons why they might not completely replace human simulation educators. I mean, the, the sentence itself is scary. The robot voice as well. <laughs> not yeah, I'm, just, not, I'm not pressing that button I'm just again. not cool with the might not completely replace human simulation educators in certain contexts. It's got Skynet vibes about it, isn't it? <laughs> Just can't do that, Dave. Um, yeah, so so yeah, uh, nuanced interpretation, adaptability, flexibility, creativity, personalised feedback are all things, or personalised debrief, are those things that we bring as, yeah. as humans yeah. to simulation. Interesting. Mm. It's hard to argue with with ChatGPT on this. It has pretty much nailed it uh, in terms of its own limitations. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, is at least humble. So maybe we should give the last word of this podcast to ChatGPT then. I think so. And I, and I think, yeah, we can end with that because it's kind of probably, hopefully we'd have come up with something as, as, as eloquent as this. But um, what ChatGPT had to say ultimately was... While AI can serve as a valuable tool to enhance certain aspects of simulation-based education, the role of a simulation educator encompasses a range of skills, including adaptability, emotional intelligence, context awareness, and interpersonal communication that are not easily replicable by AI. Therefore, AI can be helpful, a helpful complement to human educators, but is unlikely to fully replace their role, especially in scenarios where complex ethical dilemmas and dynamic interactions are involved. Which is basically every simulation worth yeah. its salt. Yeah, yeah. And, if, and, you know, people struggle with some of those, let alone the AI as well. So, again, I guess the key message is, is develop your facilitators. Mm continue to educate them continue to learn yourself as a simulation educator in all of those areas which which is highlighted because i'd agree with most of those as well yeah but but also you can lean on the technology to give you a bit of a leg up because we're conscious that we're all wearing multiple hats and that actually just getting something down on the page sometimes is half the battle won as usual it's it's something that complements you you know it's the same thing when you're in a in a seminar, the, the PowerPoint presentation should be a compliment on you and your performance, mm-hmm. not not leading it. And same thing could to be said here. Couldn't agree more. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode uh, and we hope it's given you some ideas. Um, if it has given you some ideas, we'd love to hear about these. Drop us a comment, drop us a like. Please do subscribe to our podcast to keep up to date with all things healthcare simulation. Thanks, everyone. See you in the next one. Bye.